0: Hey, welcome to the LifeHouse Newport News podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our vision is to bring life change through Christ to all people. And we believe that happens when people say yes to Jesus, do life together, get in the game and leave a legacy. We hope this podcast inspires and challenges you to grow in your faith. Subscribe to ensure you don't miss a single episode and share it with someone you know who may need it. Again, thank you for joining us today. Now let's get to this week's episode.
1: Now here's the thing, right? We, last week we celebrated what? What do we celebrate? The resurrection. We celebrated Easter Sunday, which honestly if you think about it, Easter is actually a f- funeral. Easter is celebrating the death of death. Where what you see Jesus saying is is, is that I came and I actually defeated death for all time and opened up the opportunity to have life eternally. And so whenever we celebrate Easter, we celebrate the fact that Jesus defeated death, that death has been defeated, and Jesus gave us, earned for us, was victorious, and gave us the opportunity to have forever life with him. And here's the thing, right? We celebrate that, we love that, and it deserves its own day but at the same same time i think sometimes followers of christ we can get so focused on what jesus accomplished for us eternally which is important that we actually miss what jesus what jesus offers us and gives us practically and temporarily right here and right now sometimes we can be so heavenly minded that we miss the fact that what jesus wants to do in your life right here And right now, if you've been in church any amount of time, you've probably heard this scripture verse, John 10, 10, right? Jesus says this, I came to give you life and life more what? Oh, we got some church people up in here. Okay. Abundantly, right? Abundantly that Jesus came to give us life and gave us life abundantly. Now here's the thing, right? Whenever Jesus was saying that in John chapter 10, that was recorded by the uh, by the Apostle John. Is that sometimes Bible translators have to make decisions about certain words, what they're going to actually translate to in the English language, and w- and doing and doing research on this verse and specifically that word, uh. uh Abundantly, I th- actually think that word, abundantly, is actually a terrible translation of what that Greek word actually translates to. Here's, a, here's the word parasos. Everybody say parasos. And here's the thing. Para, parasos, if you study that word and you study the connotation of it, th- let me give you the connotation and, w- and what the additional definitions say that this word means here. It means it's more than is necessary. Superior. So basically, what's extraordinary? Uncommon. So basically, what Jesus was saying here is, I came to give you life, but I just didn't come to give you life. I came to give you life that is more than is necessary. A life that is superior. A life that is extraordinary. A life that is uncommon. Uncommon. Do you see how, when even that word abundantly is, is honestly, I think probably one of the worst translations for that, for that word. Where doesn't it give that, that power of basically saying, Jesus did not just come to give us eternal life. And the thing is this, right? The context that Jesus said, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. And he wasn't talking about eternal life. He was talking about life right here and right now in your sphere of context right where you are. He was saying, I came to give you life more than is necessary, superior, extraordinary, uncommon. Is this good news for somebody today? That Jesus did not just say, I came to save save you eternally, but your life here and your life now is going to suck. But I think sometimes as Christians, we get this mindset that Jesus did that, that Jesus only cares about whether you go to heaven, hell, which is important. It's definitely important. But Jesus has a life that he wants to offer you and give you and that you can actually walk in right now, that even in the midst of your common life, your ordinary life, you can actually live an in, in extraordinary and in uncommon life in the midst of your ordinary. Because, y'all, let's just be honest, right? A lot of us live very ordinary lives. A lot of us live very common lives, right? You got your job, you know, you get up, you go to work, you do your job, you do your thing, you got kids. God God bless you, I've got three all over the place all the time. It just feels like your brain's spinning. You got your job, your kids, you come home, and then you got your spouse. You know what I'm saying? Like there there are so many of us here, we live very common lives ordinary lives. And whenever I hear Jesus offering saying, I came to give you uncommon life. I came to give you extraordinary, superior, more than is necessary life. But here's the thing. I believe what Jesus is saying here is, is that to bring the uncommon and the extraordinary into the common and ordinary places in your life life, I believe this, this is what Jesus is essentially saying. Basically, I am learning, and here's the thing, right? This could say you, but at the same time, from Jesus to live my life as he would live my life if he were I. Where actually, when Jesus says, I came to give you abundant, uncommon, extraordinary life in the midst of your common, ordinary life, it's almost as if Jesus is saying, I want to invade your life so whatever you do wherever you are whatever context you are currently in it's as if Jesus were there himself right let me illustrate this to you dominique what do you right do bro what's your job electrician right jesus would definitely be able to relate with that because jesus was a carpenter right so Here's, here's the thing, right? Whenever we say Jesus wants to bring an, an, an abundant, uncommon, extraordinary life, it's basically saying that if Jesus was an electrician, how would Jesus be? How would Jesus operate? There? The shipyard, what do you do there? Sheet metal mechanic. So so basically the thing is, if Jesus was a sheet metal mechanic, what would Jesus as a sheet metal mechanic look like? Right? Somebody else here, right? I know Kim. She, she does hair. Right? If you, if you need hair, hair done, go, go to Kim. Lift the hand up, Kim. Boom. Okay. Uh, her okay. So, so it's just like if Jesus was a hairdresser, how would Jesus function? How would Jesus operate? It's basically saying... No matter what context of life, because honestly, right, a lot of our contexts are very ordinary and very average. But here's the thing. Jesus wants to invade those, those, those ordinary, average contexts with his uncommon, extraordinary life. And do you know how he does that? He does that through his life, working through your life. And that is the kind of thing that Jesus wants to do. And the truth is this, right? How, how Jesus spreads, is basically saying his life working through your life. And there is an abundant, uncommon, extraordinary life that Jesus wants, that Jesus offers you and that Jesus invites you to. Now, here's the thing, right? This, this, we, we we've got to ensure that we have the right concept and context of this word: abundance, extraordinary, uncommon. Because if we're not careful, we will take that. To, to, to essentially mean a United States abundance, right? Because honestly, I've seen it. I've seen passage, Jesus came to give you life and life abundantly. And what, and what they're saying by that is essentially you're, you're going to have material possessions. You're going to have money. If you follow Jesus, these things will follow you. And I think we've got to ensure that whenever we're saying what kind of abundant life does Jesus offer and promise us, it is not a United States abundance. We've got to ensure that we don't take Jesus and make him fit our context. We have to go back into Jesus's day and, and, and in Jesus's vernacular and say, what did Jesus mean by abundant life? Instead of saying, well, Jesus said abundant life, let me take it and make it mean what I want it to mean in the United States context. And the crazy thing is that they've actually created gospels, one of them called the prosperity gospel, to essentially mean if you follow Jesus, the promise is you'll have health and wealth and and you'll, you'll never get sick. You'll have the perfect wife, the perfect kids. It'll all just be good for you. Any followers of Jesus know that is not true. When you follow Jesus, that does not mean easy. That, that doesn't always mean better. But, it, but, at the same, but at the same time, it is the life that Jesus offers. So here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Parasos does, does not mean self-help either. Jesus is not saying, follow me, and, I, and here's the thing, right? I will just give you a better life. I just won't give you a better life. See, here's here's the thing, right? Jesus is not some glorified Dr. Phil or uh, what's her name? Oprah, where Jesus is like, simply follow me and I'll give you some good practical advice and some good practical tips just to make your life a little better. No, no. But the thing, you know, Jesus is not self-help, but at the same time, I believe if you put into practice some of the things and some of the life that Jesus invites you to, then you will see your life get better. Do you believe that? Here's the thing, right? When, Jesus, when you start to follow Jesus and you start, start to be a part of the, of the life that Jesus offers and gives you. It is a life where worry doesn't rule you because you have a promise that you have a king and and, and and you have got a father that will provide your needs for you. Jesus invites you into a life where unforgiveness and anger and bitterness does not ruin you from the inside out. Jesus offers you to be. Jesus invites you into into a life where you aren't ruled simply by whatever your body by a biologically feels, but instead you are led and guided by your principles and priorities. Jesus invites you into a life where you don't see people as objects to be consumed or used, but instead you see them as people made in the image of the Spirit of God walking with you and strengthening you. Jesus invites you into a life where you are not afraid to speak the truth in Love. These are all things that Jesus modeled and Jesus exampled for us that if we follow him, we will do these same things. And here's the thing, this isn't self-help, but living these principles will make your life better. Here's Here's the thing, Jesus just didn't come to save us eternally. He came to show us how to live practically. And I think some followers of Christ miss this. Jesus just was not a get out of hell free card. Jesus said, I have come to show you a way to live that is a God abundance, not a worldly abundance. And that's what Jesus invites us into. You know, one of the big things out right now is this whole thing of uh, masterclasses. Have you guys seen this? Thank you. Masterclasses, right? Where it's like you can learn how to do anything well because you take a masterclass, right? And they've got masterclasses on anything and everything you could possibly want. Like you can learn how to cook by taking Gordon Ramsay's, Gordon Ramsay's masterclass. And you could become a great cook and a grumpy human, right? by watching Gordon Ramsay and probably cuss more watching Gordon Ramsay, right? But you can take a master class on how to cook from Gordon Ramsay. You can actually take a master class on how to shoot a basketball from Steph Curry, where you can actually go on on, on there and you can watch a set of seven to eight teachings and you can try to be, you know, you can learn how to shoot like Steph Curry in confession time. So uh, a couple summers back, you know, my son, he's nine. I think this when he, went, this one, he was like seven years old. You know, he, Jackson was playing basketball, and I was trying to help him become a better basketball player. So I had this great idea. I saw that there was a Steph Curry master class on shooting. So I was like, it's the summertime. My kid ain't got nothing going on. I'm going to put him in this Steph Curry master class. He lasted about ten minutes. Because he was sitting at a computer watching Steph Curry explain drills, explain shooting. And I literally wasted. I'm not even going to tell you how much, how much I wasted. Because I think sometimes parents, we can want their, their kids to, to kind of have that kind of advantage. And I was thinking, yeah, boy, you're going to see my kid rolling up in that youth basketball league shooting the ball like Steph Curry. Yeah, no, that didn't happen, you know. But but, but, it, but it's crazy. You can go on there and learn how to shoot like Steph Curry. You can go and learn acting classes from Samuel L. Jackson. That would be an interesting acting class. Filled with a bunch of bombs, if you know what I'm saying, right? You can learn how to direct films like Martin Scorsese. The point is this. No matter what art, culture, literature, English, sports, food, if there is a something you can learn there is a master class for it let me ask y'all this if you were to take one master class on something what would you take let's just kind of get vulnerable here if anyone wants to be brave enough to kind of to kind of just like answer anybody want to give give an option here self-love. self-love okay a master class on self on, on self-love okay someone else Anybody here want to answer? Carpentry. God, I could use that. I can't build anything, man. Yeah, yeah. Carpentry, great. Some, someone else. Automotive. Cooking, automotive, right? We can, we can see, see here that we all have skills in life we want to grow in. But, but let me ask you this. If Jesus himself led a master class, what do you think he would lead it in? Excuse me? Life? You were in first service. You don't count. (laughs) Yes, here's here's the thing. I think if Jesus was going to lead a specific master class, I think Jesus would lead it on the master class of life of basically saying if you want to know how to live life to the fullest and have a god uh, and have a god uh, abundance fill you I believe this when you look when you look into the gospels and you see whenever Jesus called people he would say this right follow him. he would say follow me Jesus wasn't just saying follow me eternally to get out of hell free Jesus was saying hey follow me And I will show and basically saying, come and join me in the master. Have you thought about it that way of just Jesus? He saves you eternally, yes. But one of the things that I see Jesus doing is he also invites us into the master class of life and says, follow me and learn how to live life to the fullest. There was this one encounter Jesus had that the disciple Matthew recorded in his gospel of Jesus inviting people to follow him into a certain way of life. And what I want to do is actually check it out in a couple different translations. One, the first is the passage, the, the passion translated, and the second is the message translation. But here's the thing, right? I want you to hear these words from Jesus, not spoken 2,000 words back, but spoken specifically to you right here and right now. That Jesus offers you Jesus... Jesus makes this offer to you, and here's the thing, right? I want you to actually imagine Jesus looking into your eyes. Jesus being able to see what you're walking through, see what you're going through. See where, what your specific context of life is right now. And here's the thing, right? This is actually Jesus talking. These words are in red in the Bible, meaning these are words coming straight from Jesus, that Jesus was speaking to a crowd of people then, but like I said, I want you to actually think about it as if Jesus was speaking to you right now. He says, are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? Come to me, I will refresh your life, for I am your what? Oasis, isn't that incredible verbiage? I'm your oasis. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways. Everyone say, learn my ways. Learn my ways, and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, and easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me, for all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. This is the message translation here. This is what it says. It says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me Do you hear this offer that Jesus is saying? If you are burdened and weary and tired, basically saying, if you've tried life your way and it has not worked, come unto me, learn my ways, watch how I do it. Do you know what Jesus isn't saying, isn't saying here? Come to heaven with me. What he's saying is, I want to give you rest in real life, right here and right now. Learn from me, watch how I do it and I will lead you to a place that gives you, even though there is hell going on around you, there can be a rest inside of your soul. Is this good, is this good news for anybody? Is anybody weary? Is anybody burdened? Is everybody burned out on, on religion? Then Jesus's message and Jesus's life is for you. The truth is this, y'all. It's not if you are following somebody or something, but who or what are you following? See, the, the truth is this, right? You are modeling your life after somebody or something. And I mean, seriously think. When you think of what is the end goal, what, as you're living your life, who are you trying to become like? Who is the end goal for you? And really, I think intentionally or unintentionally, you are a follower of somebody or something. Whether it's what culture has shaped for you, that you're saying you have this certain image of a person within or culture that, that you would say, I'm trying to live my life to become like this person. But here's the thing, if you are not intentionally saying, I want my life to become like Jesus, then you are unintentionally becoming like somebody or something. There is no either or. And Jesus himself even talks this way, right? Where you see Jesus, whenever he talks, he's very binary. Where, you know, in, you know, there was a couple things that Jesus spoke, right? One of those things was whenever he said, I want to tell, you know, he was like, I want to tell you about two roads. You've got the wide road that many people take that leads to death. And then, and, and then Jesus said, you've got the narrow road that some people take that leads to life. Jesus did not say there was 14 roads to take. He said there was the wide road and the narrow road. He, he was essentially saying, you're going to follow somebody or something besides besides me, or you're going to follow me. There was not 14 different roads. There was two. There was everybody else and Jesus. He said this parable also when he talked about you're building your life on a certain foundation. He said you're either building your life on sand or you're building your life on rock. He did not say there was sand and there was rock and there was clay. He gave two examples. He said sand and rock. And he said this, if you build your life on sand, when the storms come, the storms of life will reveal who or what you've built your life on. And some of you have experienced this because you've built your life on financial status, and when your financial status isn't what you thought or whenever you lost your financial status, it felt like you lost your life because it revealed what you were building your life on. Or possibly you built it, life. Why? Because your image, your status. And whenever you didn't hit that image status, it felt like you lost your life. Build your life. If, and what Jesus is like, building your house. Build your life on me and my life and my words. It's like building your house on rock. And when the storms came, the house stood. Why? Because it was built on a firm foundation. And what Jesus was saying, and some of you have lived this where you've lost everything in your life except your relationship with God, but you were still good, you were still joyful, you were still hopeful. Why? Because your foundation was not in something temporary, it was in somebody eternal. And you've experienced this too. Jesus was very binary. He said it's gonna be either or it's, it's either gonna be everybody, everybody, everything else, or me. Jesus even said this about himself. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Now, here's the thing. We can sometimes look at Jesus and be like, he was an egomaniac. Little, uh, need a little approval there, huh, Jesus? But it's it's like, no, whenever you dive into the heart of what Jesus is actually saying, and not just see what Jesus is saying, but the heart behind what Jesus is saying, he was essentially saying, y'all, look, nobody is going to lead you to a place in life like I will. Nobody offers you what I offers you. Nobody gives you the kind of joy and the peace, and not just eternal security or eternal hope, but temporary life and joy and peace like I give. And that's why Jesus was like, you got to choose me. It can't be 20% me. It can't be 40, 60, 80. It's got to be 100. And that's why some of you here here today, your walk with God has been frustrating because you've only given God 40% of you. You've, you've only given him 60 percent. you said, "Yeah, Jesus, I'll follow you 40 percent, but this other 60 percent, you know,." And what I believe Jesus wants to tell what wants to tell you today and show and show you today, 100 percent is what needs to happen. 100 percent. Don't hold back your finances, don't hold back your sex life, don't hold back your so-called personal life. Don't hold anything. Back, follow him 100%. Don't have 40% going down this narrow road and 60% going down this wide road. Have 100% going down the narrow road. And that is the road that leads to life. And Jesus said that few find it. Jesus was very clear. There's him and there's everything besides him. But that was not done because Jesus wanted attention. It was done because Jesus loves you and Jesus wants the best for you. So here's the thing, right? Jesus invites us into this master class of life. But before you join this class, there's some things you need to wrestle with. There's some things that you need to almost, yeah, wrestle with. Because joining, because joining this, this class and, and accepting Jesus's invitation to, to learn his ways and joining Jesus' invitation to watch how He does it means you're you're going to have to wrestle with some things. The first one's this: you've got to you've got to wrestle with redefining what success is. You've got to you've 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 got to understand that when you start to follow Jesus, success in following Jesus looks one hundred percent different than what success looks like in what the world says. And let me tell you one parable that Jesus told to simply explain this. This is uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 16 through 21. Now, here's the thing, right? I want you to hear this through a United States lens, because you're going to hear and see some similarities between what our culture deems successful. So so just kind of like perk those ears up, okay? It says this here, Jesus said this, and he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, man, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, ah, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store up my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And he says, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. So do you see the setup here, right? You've got this guy. He was very successful. enough. He, he had a small house, a small barn. So he tore those down and built bigger ones and basically said, I've got so much surplus. What I can do is essentially take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Isn't that what our culture is telling you success is? Isn't that what financial advisors are trying to get you towards? How can you just get to the point and just just, just having fun until you go and you, you die? And that is what our culture deems successful. But when you see Jesus in this parable, it's almost like Jesus calls out what success is in the United States and says, you think that that is successful, but then he says, actually, you're a fool because you are not rich towards God. You did not have the priorities that God had. And y'all, this is just one parable that Jesus gives that we're almost realized. You have been in successes in direct opposition to what our culture says. And you've got to really marinate it in a culture. You, you have been marinated in a culture that tells you this is what success is. And if you don't have this, you aren't successful. And that is why as a follower of Jesus, that if if you're gonna join this masterclass, you've gotta wrestle with this idea of what success is. And you've got to almost say, are you willing to lay down what you deem and what our culture says success is and say, Jesus, I need you to help me redefine this. Secondly, you've got to relinquish what your idea of wisdom is. If you're gonna join Jesus's masterclass, there's gonna be some things that Jesus is gonna say and teach that are gonna be in direct opposition to what you believe and have taught wisdom is. Right, one of the things Jesus said, Matthew 18, he said this, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus and they, and they asked who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, right? So you got to love the, the disciples. They're coming to the greatest person asking how they're going to be the greatest, right? That would be like Steve Kerr coming up to like Jordan. And, and for those of you that actually get that reference, right? Basically he say, hey, Jesus, how can I be, or it's kind of like Jordan, how can I be the greatest, the greatest basketball player? Uh, Steve Kerr, you can't be. I'm the best, right? But Jesus here doesn't bash them for, for wanting to be great. He actually redirects them on what greatness is. And here's the thing, right? Jesus doesn't bash you for wanting to be great, but he wants to make sure your definition and your trajectory of greatness matches him. Because here's the thing. Jesus, then it says, as Jesus called a little child and placed the child among That's part of the process of getting into Jesus's masterclass, where you've, There's gotta be this change in your mindset where it says you change and become like little children. He says, unless unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. What What is Jesus saying here? He's saying that you're gonna actually have to take on a posture of learning. Jesus can't get nothing to you. You're so full of yourself, Jesus can't get nothing in there. And here's the thing. As we follow the example of Jesus's life there has got to be this part of you that says I've I've got to lay my pride down and come as a little child and say Jesus I need you to like you know here here's a here's the thing right children innocent children children they're they're like sponges right? And here's the thing, right? That's what Jesus says. It's like the greatest is the one that changes and becomes like a child and is a sponge ready to soak up whatever Jesus says. And y'all, here's the thing. If you're going to join his class and live like him, you've almost got to take your wisdom of what you've been taught and what you think and say, Jesus, I lay it down. I want to learn what is wisdom to you. So here's the thing. You've got to redefine what success is. Secondly, relinquish your idea of wisdom. But lastly, and, and this I think is good news, like you've got to realize what you gain when you start to follow Jesus and you join his masterclass of what life is. Because I think sometimes as followers of Christ, we can get so focused on the sacrifice, we miss the reward. Anybody been there? It's just like you can get so locked up and man, I'm sacrificing money sacrifice and time, sacrifice, you know, and, and, and you kind of get this kind of just like grumpiness of what you're sacrificing. When have you ever thought about like what the kind of life you actually gain when you start to live your life according to what Jesus says? You know, C.S. Lewis here, he actually says this quote that I think is very applicable to how many of us are. And I believe the reason why some of us are locked in our jacked up, messed up lives is because you're far too easily pleased. When there is a life that Jesus offers you. And here's the thing, an abundant, uncommon, extraordinary life that is available to you as his follower that can actually invade your common, your ordinary life. Matthew 13, 44 through 46 says this. This is actually Jesus talking. He's telling this parable. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold. Everyone say sold. All he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls when he bought it. Basically, which of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Basically what Jesus is saying here, when someone discovered the kind of life that Jesus offers, they sold everything they had. They, they, they said, in comparison to the life that Jesus offers and the life that Jesus gives, I'm going to do whatever I have to do to go after that because I have found what life is worth living for. And y'all, I'm I'm praying the, the, the thing is, is this, right? As we begin this series and as we talk about what living like Jesus is, right? This has been a very fou- a very foundational message of your master class of life. That we would, that as we discover it, as we see it, that there would be this sense of abandonment. There would, there would be this sense of saying, This life is available to me. I will go and get it at whatever. The cost. If I got to change my job, if I got to change my schedule, if I have to dump this girlfriend or boyfriend that I'm dating, I will do whatever I have to do to get the kind of life that Jesus offers this abundant, uncommon, extraordinary, more than enough, superior life. And I'm praying that this would be the heart of our church, that we would just not see Jesus as being, this, as being this eternal savior, which he is. We celebrate it. We believe it. We believe that Jesus defeated death, but there is an abundant, uncommon, un- extraordinary life available for you right here and right now that wants to invade the common, ordinary places and spots in your life. Do we believe that, church?
0: Thank you again for joining us today. If you need prayer, have any questions about what you just heard, or said yes to Jesus, please reach out to us at lifehousenn.com or text 757-690-2401. We'd love the opportunity to pray for you and help guide you through the next step in your faith journey. In the meantime, we hope you'll join us online next Sunday at 9 a.m. or 1030 a.m. at lifehouseonline.com or in person for a live worship service at 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. at the Kiln Creek Regal Theater in Newport News, Virginia. Visit lifehouseinn.com for more information or to RSVP for a live service.